0: When we study the Old Testament, a lot of the narrative in the Old Testament centers in and around the nation of Israel. And when we study the New Testament, a lot of the narrative centers on and around God's chosen New Testament people, the church. So the question arises, is the church a thoroughgoing replacement for Israel? I believe the answer is no, but we'll talk about it more on this episode of Beyond the Notes. Hey guys, I'm Pastor Russell Howard and it's good to be back with you. When we talked Sunday about the uh, the identity of the Israelite people, the Jewish leaders that Jesus was arguing with, we, we uh, referred over to a passage in Galatians. I want to revisit that passage in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, Paul is writing about who, who is in fact um, reliably identifiable as a child of Abraham. And Paul writes, Galatians 3, beginning in verse 7, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham? And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed." So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. the The, the turn of phrase I want to grab out of this is, "It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham." Now. The uh, the title, Sons of Abraham, is dearly held by the, by the Jewish people. It is in the Abrahamic covenant, first stated in Genesis 12, restated a couple of times in the following chapters of Genesis, that pretty much establishes the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, as God's chosen ethnic people. And yet here Paul says that, no, the, 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 the sons of Abraham are those who, like Abraham, follow the living God by faith. And so there arises, and I am going to be oversimplifying in a podcast about replacement theology. Guys, whole books have been written on this stuff, but I'm going to be touching the high points at the high points. Um, There are those that would say that the church, as God's New Testament chosen people, terminology that is used of the church as elect people, are a replacement for Israel. Before Before I get to... To why that that really isn't true in a wholesale sort of way. There's another sort of replacement theology that's a bit more fringy that I want to touch on, and I only really want to touch on it because um, I believe I have I have encountered in some conversations right here at our church, here at McGregor, and uh, in some web articles that people have from time to time cut and paste and sent me, commending them from publications out of a movement that's called Anglo-Israelism. Anglo-Israelism, which has its roots in the the worldwide Church of God. Now, that's not to be confused with the the Church of God as a Christian denomination, but the worldwide Church of God founded by Herbert W. Armstrong is cult. And one of the things that Armstrong's cult embraced is this Anglo-Israelism. Essentially, it holds that the, the dispersed tribes of Israel that went away into the um, Assyrian dis- the dispersion, when the northern kingdom was dispersed and those ten tribes were scattered, that they ultimately came back together and they came back together in England and later were more fully expressed also in the North American colonies and ultimately the United States. So that the English speaking, the world centered on England and the United States should today be thought of as an ethnic replacement for Israel. That all the promises that were made to Israel really belong to England and the United States. That's just goofy. It is. It is a goofy cultic idea at the heart of a goofy cultic system. I love the United States of America, and actually, as a as a Howard, which is a very British last name. <clears throat> I, I kind of, I kind of, uh, a, a tiny bit of an Anglophile as well, and I'm, I am, I'm very fond of the United States, and I, and I'm interested in England. We're not Israel. We are in no way Israel. There is, there is no ethnic connection between English-speaking England and North America and Israelites. Herbert Armstrong was a loony, and the Worldwide Church of God, which he started, is a cult. So that Anglo-Israelism version, that sort of ethnic replacement theology should be dismissed out of hand by any by any thinking Christian but but theological replacement uh, theology holds that as the as the Gentiles came to Christ and the church became a more predominantly Gentile movement that that the church broadly viewed not any given local church but the sum of all New Testament redeemed people sort of, Wholesale and entirely became Israel. Now, I cannot nor would I want to make uh, the Apostle Paul's statement here go away that true identity with Abraham belongs to those who were saved. But the issue is not one of replacement. The issue is more one of, of ingrafting or augmentation. That is the, the stream of what God is doing with, with set aside ethnic Israel for a moment. I believe, I believe there's some a couple other things I can say about that. But the, but the identity of those who are descendants of Abraham theologically, it's those who follow Jesus Christ by faith. It's those who have... Follow Jesus, whether whether they're of Gentile ethnicity or Jewish ethnicity. Romans 11 is a is a fascinating chapter, and really the whole chapter of Romans 11 is given to um, the relationships between Jews, Gentiles, and Christianity. And the idea of engrafting is is explicitly spoken to in Romans 11. Uh, Seventeen. He's been talking about about how unfaithful Jews—that is, Jews who have not followed the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ—have have come to be sort of broken off the, uh, the 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 olive vine that he's using to depict the connection to God that the faithful have. And he says in 1117, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, and he's speaking to Gentile believers were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not become arrogant toward the branches. He's saying, if, if that relationship with the living God that historically was centered in Judaism is now available to you because of, because of Christ, Don't hold the the Jewish earlier part of that redemptive history, don't hold it in contempt as though you are somehow superior to to that history that has come before you. Be thankful for a a very Jewish narrative, in, in effect, the Old Testament, that now has opened up to make space for you as a Gentile believer, in the first century, that was a very, very hotly contested topic, up to it, including even the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15, A.D. 50, the whole conversation about, about Gentile salvation, beyond the scope of this podcast, but uh, a, a terrific topic for study. And the Jewish people should expect that Gentile salvation would be a thing, all the way back to the first um. Recitation of the Abrahamic Covenant in Genesis twelve three, God promised Abraham that all the all the families of the world, all the ethnic groups of the world, would be blessed through the Messiah that would descend out of Abraham. So Gentile Gentile salvation is no new thing, um, but do we do we replace ethnic Israel entirely as as the new theologically chosen people of God? I think the answer to that is, is a no. One of the reasons I believe that, that we, we don't wholesale replace them is the issue of unfulfilled promises made to national Israel. There are still promises that were made to national Israel in the Old Testament that still look forward, even in our day, to their ultimate fulfillment. One of the clearest examples of this, I believe, is in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In the previous verses, he's been, he's been talking about, I believe, the time, the time of the sixth seal and the return of the Lord. Um, the cosmic signs of the sixth seal are outlined in Joel 2, 30, for example. So he's talking about an end-times event as we round the corner into Joel 3, and he says in Joel 3, For behold, Joel 3, verse 1, For behold, in those days and at that time, and again, this is an end times event, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and divided up my land. That is, I will restore the fortunes of national Israel, and then I will have a season of judgment on the other nations of the world for how they have treated national Israel. Now, that hasn't happened yet. That is a, that is a promise made in the Old Testament to national Israel of future judgment and fulfillment that just hasn't happened. And, and you have to really bend and twist other prophecy to somehow make that prophecy applicable to a, a multi-ethnic Gentile people that simply aren't the Israelis to whom that promise was made. So I think there are unfulfilled promises. I also think that, that Romans chapter nine, the Apostle Paul writing about national Israel uh, makes, makes us some statements that, that are really, really kind of hard to interpret if, if today national Israel has no significance and the church is all there is. Romans 9, beginning in verse 1. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, I believe it's the most shocking statement in all of Paul's writing, is the statement that he just made. Because he just said that if somehow I could accomplish Salvation for my my ethnic kinsmen, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, he says at the beginning of verse 4. If I could accomplish the salvation of the Israelites by forfeiting my own salvation, I would do it. That's a crazy radical statement, but that's what he says. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. It seems to me that that his recounting of all that national Israel still sort of owns and his passion for the salvation of national Israel, it becomes very, very difficult for me to to conclude from that or to conclude in a world where he made those statements that national Israel no longer matters. And then in Romans 11, uh, which, by the way, that whole chapter is given to the relationship between uh, Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians, and the future of Israel. He makes an audacious promise in Romans 11, verses 25 through 27, uh, that, that leans into a future revival among the ethnically Jewish people. He is not saying that there's going to be a sudden moment where every other promise regarding the gospel is set aside and the end times Jews are all saved simply because they're Jewish. He's not going to moot and render nonsense, the entire message of the new Testament, but what he appears to be the case that there is is a, there is a promised future movement of revival among the ethnically Jewish people. When at the end of things, they will see the Messiah whom they've missed, and many, many, many of them will come to faith in Christ. So in short, while there are those that would hold that the church has completely replaced Israel as the chosen people in God's sight, it's important to remember that we have not. We have have been engrafted into a narrative that began among God's chosen people, Israel, and we have come to occupy a very special place because we have come to faith in, in the Messiah and are fully accepted as his people, as much so as any Jew. Yet there are promises yet unfulfilled to the ethnically Jewish people. And there is even a promise of future revival and salvation as many of those Jews whose hearts are today hardened toward their Messiah will see the truth of Jesus Christ at the end and come to faith in Christ. They will not be saved because they're Jewish. They will be saved by the only means whereby anyone, Jew or Gentile, can be saved. They'll be saved because they're gonna turn from their sin and trust Jesus Christ by faith. Are you a son of Abraham? You say, well, no, I'm not Jewish at all. Have you trusted Jesus by faith? Have you taken God at his word in repentance and faith If so, you're a son of Abraham And if you haven't, then you're not Come to faith in Christ Hey, it's always good to be with you on this podcast I hope by now you're you're listening I hope you're sharing I hope you're, you're liking and following And all the other things Whatever is on your appropriate listening platform It is always our joy to be with you On this and the other programs of the McGregor Podcast God bless you